All right. All right. How are you getting on? Are you well? Are you well? Uh, how's things? Come on. Ah, cheer up, you old fuck. I'm not swearing. Never swearing again. Cheer up, you old scallywag. Come on. Cheer up. I know it's January. You know uh, come on, let me hear. I'll sing you a song for you. Here we go. I'm not gonna write you a love song because you ask for it because you need one. Does that cheer you up? I tell you, someday when there is the masked singer Ireland, I'll go on. I think that's the song I'm gonna sing. Is that what you call it a love song? Because you ask for it. And I tell you, the budget will be so fucking cheap because it'll be made by RTE that they'll have to hit up loads of first year IADT students to make papier mache masks and I'll have a big a cat still wet with poster paint and glue and I'll be huffing it fucking tripping balls in there I'm not gonna ride you little. and Louis Walsh should be looking at me mouth agape thinking he's brilliant and then I will reveal my face and I'll be like I, it was I influencer Tony Cantwell that uh, captivated the audience and Louis will look like he doesn't he doesn't even know me you know, and he'd be like, ah, oh, wow, wow, a big mouth, jaw you know, on the floor, agape. What? It was him. He had no idea who I am. And I will be so cocky from after huffing WD-40 in there and me cat mask that I'll get real lippy with him. Like, you don't even know, you don't fucking even know who I am, you clown. <laughs> and I'll bring the whole thing to a standstill. I do know. What? And he'd be like trying to smile, but he'd be going red. And I'd be like, you don't even know who I am. Name one of my videos, I'd say. Name one of my videos. <laughs> Name one of my podcast catchphrases And you can't say Maroon 5 <laughs> And you're not allowed saying She will be loved Because we're not saying that We're done with that for 2022 um, But look Oh I hope, you, oh, I hope you're okay You Monday blues Oh my god As if Garfield couldn't even get more dep- Hey how, what's the most depressing day of the year for Garfield Same as the rest of us Blue Monday <laughs> You know Ah, so say, Samaritans, uh, my, Samaritans, Samaritans, my, my, my life feels like an Eiffel 65 song. It's so blue. <laughs> I am contemplating, no, no, I am, Eiffel, doctor, doctor, my girlfriend is like in an Eiffel 65 song. What? Oh, well, I have a girlfriend and she is so blue. This is far beyond my capabilities. You need to bring her <laughs> to a therapist. Uh, the first one was, but look, listen. Live. It is Blue Monday. Blue Blue Monday, man. New order. New world order, man. That's what that's what they were talking about. They released Blue Monday in the 80s because they knew in 2022 there'd be another Blue Monday. And you know, I don't know. Listen, are you alright? Are you okay at least? You know, how you've been getting on. Bloom, look, it's real. It's, it's you know, it's, um, you know, and as I said, you know, you can't even go out to bloody coppers after 8 p.m. Blue bollocks Monday, more like. You, after you not getting the hole all weekend. I'm, I'm talking about women when I talk about blue bollocks. Blue awful when it's a woman. No, I, look, I'm not swearing. <laughs> so I'm not saying anton vulgar or grotesque or any of that. Any of that carry on for the year 2022. So if you're, you came here for that sort of stuff, it's not here, right? I am, ex- I'm, I am accepting only um, Zoomers and, you know, kids now. This is a kids show. <laughs> I'm only... No, come here. How are you doing? Are you well? What, what are we talking about? Have you gotten rid of your Christmas tree yet? That's something I've been trying to bring, I wanted to bring up with you. Have you got rid of your Christmas tree yet? Because, listen, with the greatest respect to you, I know this isn't you, but I find... I've I, Even I, even me, a man who used to live with 
jack-o'-lanterns because I would never throw them out. We had a flat. Remember one time we were living in the rat flat in London and there was so many jack-o'-lanterns. I'm talking about pumpkins, right? That they were all over the place. We had no room for them and we ended up just piling them on top of a shelf. And then my cousin Omar was staying over with us, right? Um, he was just moved to London. He was looking for a place to live. He had a brand new MacBook Pro and I moved just slightly, put, put my, my beer down on the shelf. It knocked over two jack-o'-lanterns and smashed his MacBook, you know? And it was my birthday, and all of the birthday money that I had, I gave to fix his screen. And he still said it wasn't, it wasn't normal. He said there was still a latency that he couldn't ever, <laughs> he couldn't ever handle, you know? Brand new MacBook Pro, smashed the screen off it, you know? And he's a nice guy, a very forgiving guy. He was very cross with me, you know? And it was an accident. So I'm just saying that for me, a man who would live perpetually in a state of jack-o'-lantern, for me to get rid of the Christmas tree, it just had to be done. You know, but I find that when I'm walking by houses that still have their Christmas tree up, I'm like, I'm, and this is not, this is, might not be the case, but I'm thinking to myself, the, the man drinks too much, the man's drinking too much, and the dad can't assert himself and hates his job. <laughs> That's what's happened. That's what's happened. That's the only reason why on the, whatever date it is, 18th of January, you still have your Christmas tree up. It must just be that the man's just, you know, probably passed out asleep upstairs and, and the old lad just so, just not even in his own skin because he can't live there. <laughs> but maybe maybe you're just not getting around to it yet. Maybe you've not gotten around to it yet. You know, maybe you've got, maybe you just like having it up. Maybe it's artificial and you just have, you need to pack it away, you know. But I find just, you know, that's just me. But I tell you, I was getting rid of my Christmas tree and I tell you what's great about getting rid of Christmas tree. When you take it out of boot, you just fuck it. Just fuck it to the side of the road. One of those areas that collects it. You know, it's just... Like, I'm not saying I enjoy littering, but if you're just like, really just leave it here on the street, it's kind of liberating. It's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like, uh, you know, uh, I am legend, you know, it's like, yeah, I'll fucking leave a tree here. Why not? You know, I'm the last man alive right now, fucking this tree onto the side. I'm not swearing ever again. I'm not swearing. But because I live above a shop, I think I've told you this before. I live above a shop, right? And yeah, I have brought it up because I think I brought it up when I was said there was a time i don't remember exactly the situation maybe the you know the avid listener can remind me what episode it was but i was kind of stuck having to force a bit of small talk with someone i didn't really want to speak to i think it was like someone that my wife maybe knew from school and then she ran off to get go after the kid and i'm standing there next to these people i don't know and they're like where do you live and i'm like oh you know that shop i live above that shop you know and then um and they were like oh that must be nice uh living above a shop and then i probably said the least interesting thing i've ever said in my entire life i said yeah it's like your man connor from the tara and ben books and they were like what and i'm like you know, remember remember them books from school tara and ben and they teach you irish and they were like no i didn't do irish <laughs> in school i think they'd moved just moved back from london when you when you when you grew up somewhere else you didn't have to do irish so i was like oh you didn't read them well basically they they just they had a friend called connor and he lived above a shop <laughs> That's what I said. And you know you can just see someone. I mentioned this before. The, just this, the face where it's like, I am no longer here. That was so boring that the little man controlling my head has hit the eject button. And now <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> you know, like your man from Men in Black who lives in your man's head. You know, the galaxy is on Orion's belt. You know your man? I could see the little fella just crawling out of her ear, just hitting the eject, jumping out with a little parachute. Yeah, you know, uh, Taron Ben's friend, Connor, lives above a shop. Like, <laughs> it's no longer here. I'm no longer present because it's the most boring thing I've ever heard in my entire life. So um, 
So because I live above a shop, everything that I do, <laughs> everything that I do, I do it for you. Now, every time I leave, like I have to, I'm like I'm packing up the car for a holiday. It's like I'm in front of people going into a shop with all of the luggage and everything and packing up a car, you know, putting prams in, putting cribs in, putting my wife, <laughs> my wife refu- refuses. No, hang on. Let me just rephrase this. My wife likes to have all of her clothes on hangers, right? So we're, dri- we're driving somewhere, they're hanging up on hangers, right? Because you just want to put them in a the luggage in case they get creased. Like, even the f- even though the fact that, like, our, our car becomes like a can of tuna fish, mackerel, mashed, everything in there is mashed. There's no space for not to be mashed. So, yes, they are kind of technically hanging up on the thing, you know, really testing the structural integrity of that little handhold thing, you know, that you have in the car, you know, and... Um, and and they are going to anyway. They are going to get creased. So anyway, I'm carrying like arms full. I'm a walking clothes rail in front of people to load up this car. But when I'm trying to get rid of like a Christmas tree, it's just so loud. And like I'm pulling it through the, my small door frame out into the street, and it's like, <laughs> and all the pines are just spraying everywhere like a machine gun. <laughs> and the people are just looking at me. The people think, people think I came here with a tree. And they, don't, they never think of the fact that I'm living above the shop. They're like, why would you come here with a tree? What are you doing? And they'll see me looking like shit because I've just, you know, like, essentially this is like my driveway. Do you know what I mean? So I'm, I wear my slippers. I wear my joggers. And I look like an insane man, a disheveled man who hasn't combed his hair with his pajamas on with a tree. What do you think I'm, what do you think he's doing? <laughs> what do you think he's doing, mate? Um, so look, all I'm saying is I hope, you're getting, I hope you got rid of your tree. Because if you haven't, I will judge you walking by your house and assume that there's other stuff going on. <laughs> no, but listen, uh, what else is new? Um, Jason Momoa, my my peer, my fellow uh, Cuddy, uh, Jason Momoa is, uh, is a single man. He's a single man. He's single, ready to mingle. And um, I find it very interesting. I'm, you know, it's it, within the same within the same couple of days that I propose a new sexual orientation that is entirely based around cuddling um, heterosexuals. He breaks up with them, or who knows who, but, you know, breaks up with uh, Lisa Bonet. You know, maybe he's, maybe he's looking for someone actually attractive, <laughs> like me, you know, for at least to cuddle and hang out with a little bit. Um, but you know what? He's He should be having a good year with Aquaman 2, but Avatar 2 is going to blow the fucking doors, and I'm not swearing... But Avatar 2 is going to blow the doors off the hatch of the submarine and tank that film. You can't have two water movies, especially one so good. And essentially you have Disney going up against DC for the Battle of the Water movies. And I wouldn't want to be going up against James Cameron for a water, for a for a damp flick. <laughs> you Excuse me, you like a damp flicks? You gotta wait for uh, Avatar 2, man. You like damp flicks, man? You gotta see Avatar 2. Um... So what else is there? Um, uh, getting mad into Wordle. You Wordle, bro? Do you even Wordle, bro? What do you Wordle, bro? Two? I, 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 wordled, I Wordled two yesterday. Wordle is a game where you have to guess a five-letter word, and you have six guesses, and it tells you in each guess if any of the letters are actually in the word and if they're in the wrong order. It doesn't tell you what order, but it tells you if they're in the wrong order. Like, yes, that's in the word, but it's in the wrong, uh, wrong order. And I'm loving it because it makes me feel like a smart man. You know, and um, I like kind of like, you know, collecting five letter words to try on my Wordle because it uploads every day. 
and um and it, it's made me it's helped me with mind it made me feel smarter you know because i've played whenever i play scrabble or words with friends i am honestly oh my god do you ever see those like um do you ever see those youtube uh thumbnails of like fake things that never happened of like you know butterbean against like a tiny you know uh pygmy person you know in like a, a, a member of a pygmy tribe do you ever see that or you see like mike tyson and it's like clearly photoshopped it's like just this little person there you know and it's all like you know the fight they try to stop you know some shit like that they make it up about a completely mismatched fight that's what it's like when i compete in people with people in word games my mother-in-law oh my god she kicked and i know you know i'm not swearing but the living shit out of me at scrabble uh, not last Christmas, the Christmas before. I actually thought afterwards she was going to have me sign some sort of divorce from my wife because I think she, I really thought, oh my God, she's going to think I can't care for myself. <laughs> you know, I'm putting down like pee pee, poo poo. You know, pee, can I, um, uh, yeah, I'm just going to put down P there again for four. Uh, I'm going to put down uh, as, <laughs> you know, and she's like, yeah, uh, Quetzalcoatl, triple word. Like, what? Uh, the Incan god of lightning. Oh my God. Also, Final Fantasy um, summon, um, but you know, so, so, but, but you know what? Yes, she might be very smart at that sort of thing, but she also doesn't know how to turn the face camera on on FaceTime. You know what I mean? Staring at the kitchen floor half the time. So who's to say? Who is? You know, can she play Colorblind by the Counting Crows on the piano? Something that I learned to attract women when I was fourteen or sixteen. Um, does she know? How to, you know what I mean? So who's to say? Who's mostly just different? absolutely kicked the shit out of me though uh, when it came to Scrabble but I'm enjoying that and it's a nice sense of community guys nice sense of community bragging about it on Twitter you know anyway what else there is a new millionaire there is a millionaire somewhere in Castlebar County Mayo um, the big lotto the big lotto the rollover 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 lads were skagging 7 o'clock in the morning it was such a bad rollover some lad just put on the neighbours theme song because they'd run out of ironic tracks to dance to supping away on, on lukewarm cans. It was a horrible rollover. <laughs> the last rollover. That's why they had to stop it at 19 million. And someone won it. One single person won it. And it was from someone from Castlebar. Castlebar County Mayo. And here's where I go into my full uh, spin pattern. Uh, tell you if it was me and Castlebar, Joe, oh boy, fucking Sam McGuire. Sorry for swearing. Jesus Christ. So sorry for swearing, guys. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> Quaylon Flaerenfunf has been sacked, been let go immediately. Been replaced by Bevan Nigernistan. Guys, Bevan Nigernistan here. Do you know what they need to buy? They need to buy a fucking assassin take out the last remaining member of that Mayo team. <laughs> we have um, Tyg Merstig now coming in, filling in for Bevan. Hi guys, Tyg Merstick here. Do you know they need to really get a get some exorcist to lift that fucking curse on the boot? <laughs> That's what I'd spend my 19 million on. I'm not having a go. I don't mean to be having a go at Mayo. I don't really give a shit about the guy. <laughs> so I don't know what, you know, kicking someone while they're down while you're not really giving a shit is really just a bad, bad place to be for a comedian. But I tell you, you got you gotta feel for the news agents. As a former news agent, um, now freelance news agent. If anyone's looking for me to do the papers, um, um, I I feel I feel for every news agent who had to endure all that. You know the winning the winning numbers, please. Just the winning numbers, please. <laughs> but you wonder how 
you know, because someone actually did give it away in numbers. So in Council Bar, maybe they just said, please. You know what I mean? That's the thing. People forget manners. Maybe if you actually said, please, 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 can have the win in numbers. Maybe that's how you get the win in numbers. So um, well done. It will ruin you. This will be the worst thing that's ever happened to you, winning that lotto jackpot. But uh, my commiserations, of course, to the winner of the 19 million. Your life is ruined forever. All of your friendships, everything, everything is now been changed everything has changed you have gotten too big for your boots and you haven't even spent any of the money yet they hate you i'm so sorry to tell you this no one is happy no one is happy and you're going to be like oh i wish i could just have it back you know if my friend won 19 million and we were out and we were having a round i'm like whose round is it guess what pal it's your round forever forever and you have and you also have to go up and get to drinks it's not even like you can just i'll go up and get it it's your round and you have to go up every time you have to get up there and order as well, right? <laughs> like, I would just act like such a moron if some my friend was that rich. I'd be there at the, at the end of a meal, and we'd get the bill, and I'd be like, oh, hang on, let's have a look. What did I have? And hang on, what will we do? Will we split? How will we ever pay for this? <laughs> I've forgotten how to pay for some reason. I'm a mor- Everyone would just act like a moron until someone just swoops in, the rich person swoops in just to pay for everything. Like, how does this work? Oh, I'll just get it. Yeah, good. You're not even getting a thank you. Yeah, good, as you should. As you should, you know? Ah, and I'd be like, we'd be out shopping. And I'd be like, hang on, before we go to the pub, would you mind popping in here to Louis Copeland's for a second? I just want to have a look at his jacket. Oh, I'd love this jacket. I'm a baby. Oh, I'd love this jacket. I just don't have the money. <laughs> I just don't have the money. Oh, you will? Yeah, good. Not even a thank you. Yeah, good. As it should be. Because guess what? You could treat yourself, treat your friends pay for every bill, every round of drinks, and you wouldn't even crack 18 million for the rest of your life, right? So, of course, you should be look, getting me this Louis Copeland jacket with, like, the floral-looking uh, interior, silk, <laughs> you know? So, uh, my commiserations, your life is ruined forever. Uh, just put it all in Bitcoin and tell them you don't have it anymore. That's, that's my recommendation. Uh, or maybe not, you know? I got my brother some, uh, uh, my little brother some Ethereum for his birthday, I mean, it's in my name because he's too young to trade with it. But I, I, I got him. It, had, it dropped to like twenty percent from when I bought it to when I gave it to him. <laughs> so it's like it's a, just a reminder of the very volatile market of cryptocurrencies. But anyway, listen. I'll tell you what's not volatile and is actually bloody delicious: the Dubliner Irish whiskey. Let me tell you guys, these are my best friends, and whatever comes out about them, I stand by it. These are some swell individuals. No, as I said, I've been really enjoying. Me and Terry have this. Um, we have a carbonated water machine, and we are loving it. We are just blasting some 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 bubbly water, blowing the back of our throat out because it's so bloody spicy, as my son calls it. Calls it spicy. Calls it spicy water. Do you know what else he calls? Right? He calls lemons spicy oranges. Isn't that genius? A spicy orange, but it is just a spicy orange. It's genius. He's a very articulate boy. Anyway, so what we've been doing is getting some carbonated water and topping it off with either um, just the traditional green label Dubliner whiskey, which is a delicious whiskey that also has the taste of a kind of sweetness because it is aged in a bourbon cask. So it gives it kind of a kind of a bourbon taste, but an Irish whiskey feel. And it's delicious. But of course, they have so many other great tastes. And we've been really enjoying the old fashioned. That's the one we've been having with highballs. We've been having uh, some limes, some spicy oranges, as they're called, the carbonated water, and uh, and some of the Dubliner old-fashioned. And I tell you, it goes down effing smooth. Uh, and we're really, really enjoying that. And if you want to get yourself some Dubliner. And I've also found it's called a little bit of, you know, 
we were pinted out over Christmas, having a nice sparkling water highball with a bit of whiskey. It feels fresh. It feels new year, new you. There's F all calories in it. I'm never swearing again. And um, I highly recommend it. it is my drink of choice for January of 2022. And if you would like to get yourself some Dublin or Irish whiskey, go to the DLD.com and snatch yourself up a bottle today. And I believe it is still um, free delivery uh, on orders over 30 euro in the Republic of Ireland. Well, actually, I think it's the island of Ireland. So there you go. Enjoy that. And look, they're here to sponsor this podcast. And what are we doing today? Today, I am Judge Tony and Sexecutioner on on the second edition of Judge Cantwell, where people have submitted their stories. I will be landing on the side of justice and doling out some very uh, interesting and, um, and in some cases, insane punishments on today's Tony Cantwell Shit Show. Ah, lovely stuff, lovely stuff there. All right, look, I think we just get into it. We got a lot to cover here today and a lot of justice to be doling out. Thank you very much for sending these in. So here we go, kicking it off. Um, TK says, when I was in third class, I was acting the ballocks, man, and I was not listening to the teacher. She caught wind of this, and as punishment, she made me stand at the top of the class with my shoes and socks off. What a freak. Not you. I would never shame you. Um, I never had an issue with exposing my tootsies, but because it was done out of an act of punishment, I felt great shame. I didn't tell my parents because I thought I'd get in trouble for being a naughty schoolboy, but I can't imagine they'd have been too pleased with the method of, of scholastic discipline. Was this standard practice? Did she step over the line? Should I be ashamed of my feet? I need your help, Judge Cantwell. TK, listen. Did she go over the line? This bitch went full Zazu over Pride Rock. She was so far over the line. She flew all right over them. <laughs> she went full Nala. She took the line, she pinned it to the ground, and she licked its face, right? Awful, awful carry-on from this woman. I didn't mean to be calling her a bitch. I don't ever use that. I'm, I'm being just a bit fun here. Um, it's not fun. No, look, anyone who does that is a bitch or a bastard or a prick or a twat or whatever it is. That's awful behavior. Uh, Giving a child a complex or even just standing there. Those, those classrooms are cold, bro. Those classrooms are cold putting your little bare toesies on them. Poor little fella. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. If I found out a teacher did that. Oh, my God. Did that to my boy. Oh my God! I'd be I'd, I'd go full I'd go full scar I'd go full me and the hyenas, uh, with scar. I don't know why I keep thinking about the Lion King. Uh, I'd eat her, which is I think what her punishment needs to be. You need to orchestrate a way of organizing a third class trip, if she still teaches third class. Hopefully she does to Dublin Zoo. I know a guy in there. He he might be able to. Have it so that the you know the kind of viewing platform maybe gives way, and she falls in and gets eaten by the lions because she made you show your bare feet because she went over the line. So that's ironic that ha- that has to happen to her that she did or coincidence whatever. <laughs> so I hope that helps. You are so in the right, she's so in the wrong, and um, you know she's she's guess what Simba's gonna have a nice little uh, nice little dinner. <laughs> All right, next one. Uh, Paul Foy says, Mate had a share bag of crisps under his jumper when we were 14 
and we were going to the cinema, obviously not paying for the cinema food at that age. He tried playing it cool by leaning against the counter when ordering the tickets, but your one heard the crunch of his bag and he, uh, as he leaned against it and demanded that he hand over the crisps. He turned around to me and said, yeah, well, he has them too. Oh, and she took them off me. Still to this day, he hasn't bought me a bag of crisps. Paul, I'm so sorry this happened to you, but she was not within her right to call you out for eating, for bringing that in, right? You can bring in your snacks. You can bring in your snacks. Or if you're, if they, if someone, you know, some young hotshot thinks they're, thinks they're John fucking Rambo and wants to call you on the way in, not swearing again, not swearing. If they want to call you on their, on, <laughs> if they want to call you when you're coming in there, just be like, yeah, well, this is my shopping. I'm going shop. I bought, I did my shopping. And now I'm going in here. And then when I go home, I'm going to bring my shopping home. And guess what? All I eat is fucking popcorn for the week, right? This is my week's shopping. Popcorn is fine. Crisps are fine. I find that they draw the line at uh, Chicken Royales. Chicken Royales, we refuse entry from a film. My mate Joe actually had to put a Chicken Royale in the bin. Full Chicken Royale. I still... I wanted to go back and eat out of the bin. (laughs) But I didn't. Because I had my own food. Um... I'm very good at sneaking food in. The fact of the matter is, she shouldn't have done anything. It's on her. But this is not the conflict. The conflict is him ratting you out after the fact. Look, when it's fight or flight, we cannot trust how we're going to act. When we, for example, fall over a viewing platform in Dublin Zoo and are chased by lions, we are going to shit ourselves if we're a teacher who made a child stand on their bare feet. We will shit ourselves because we're trying to exit our bowels so that we can um, run faster, so we're a lighter weight. That's what your body will do. In this case, the, the uh, your friend didn't shit himself, but he needed someone there with him because he felt lonely and he felt isolated and he brought you in. And that was an emotional, the bad emotional reaction. If you had known your, your rights at the time, you could have both been like, yeah, well, guess what? You can't do shit, number one. And two, this is me shopping, you know? Or maybe whatever order you want to tell them that. He, his, his instinct was just to get his friend's help. Had he been smart about it, he could have had your some of yours. He could have shared yours with him later on. He was in the wrong. He had cowardly. Look, he had cowardly instincts. You can call him at least that, but he is not to blame. The blame falls uh, with whoever this was in the UCI or Omni or whatever it was. So the the onus is on that person, right? And I think if you can find out where if they're still there, and just maybe if you remember the date, if we remember the film or whatever it might have been. Email them now, and hopefully that person will lose their job, right? And then what you then what their punishment will be is, if they're not going to believe the fact that you only eat popcorn for your dinner, that's all they're going to get to eat. Is they all they have to eat is popcorn? Um, they're not allowed to do shopping anymore. They, oh, they can only eat popcorn. So <laughs> justice has been served. Okay. Got one here from Ali. Ali says, hi, Tony, Patreon subscriber here. Well, then, Ali, I love you dearly. And I can't wait for your Dublin gig. Um, Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to it, too. So here's my story. I have alopecia, hair loss, that I got when I was six. And when I was in second class, we were doing our school play. And I felt a girl in my class tugging at my wig and then pretending it wasn't her. I don't need to hear anymore. Um, She gets to go to the viewing platform to look at the pretty little lions as well. No, she continues. Uh, I got so frustrated after a while, I said to her, do you swear on your mother's life you didn't tug my wig? She said, yes, I swear. So the next time she did it, I turned around and I said, you know your mother's going to die now. Yes. She burst out crying and I got in huge trouble. The teacher told my mom and everything. 
When I went home, I told my mum what really happened, and she marched up to the school Monday morning and tore the teacher a new one for giving out to me. I still don't know if I was right to say that. Help me. Look, you were totally within your right, and I so am so impressed that at that age you were able to really get to the root. You just said she 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 teed up her ma to die. I mean, hopefully, you know, hopefully the ma didn't die, but you she teed up her own ma, and all you did was deliver the truth. There was a logical and very intelligent way, and 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 and, and too fair, I'd say. She totally, you were totally within your right to kick her fucking head in, <laughs> you know, um, which is what I would want to do if someone did that to my son, you know, um, especially given the fact that this is so new to you and you're so vulnerable then. And she's doing that. Kick her. F- so what I think you get to do now, um, if her mom is still alive, you get to tug on her ma uh, until she dies. All right. <laughs> you get to tug at the ma. You get to tug at her like her eyelid, her like cheek, her eyebrow, her earlobe. Um, you know, you know the um, the little sensitive part of your neck behind your neck, just below your ear. You know, us, you know, tug at that until she dies from the tugging, which is very unlikely, or natural causes. That's what you get to do now, because essentially, she did offer her mam up, and now you know she didn't know what method it was going to happen. Little did she know that whatever it was, twenty years later, it was going to be you tugging her ma, tugging her ma off to death. So, um, justice hopefully has been served. Um, there. <laughs> uh, all right, we got one here from Jack McCluskey. McCluskey says, six class Gale talked. So what are you? What are you, 11, 12, 13, 14? 11 or 12. One of my mates started crying, oh, because we hid his sweets from him. And he said he wasn't, uh, after he said he wasn't going to share with any of us. Um, we got told off by him. The ban on tea makes, him, makes us give back all the sweets and we have to sit out the next Kaylee sad face emoji. Based off the crying reaction alone, I think, uh, we shouldn't have been punished. You know, we didn't plan on eating them, and he had a whole bag full. Jack, look, I'm sorry this has landed on this particular glutton's, Judge Glutton's desk, but you are so, you are so, my God, bro. For one, I don't know this kid, right? But you're so in the wrong, because you stole the sweets, right? Totally within his right, totally within his right not to give you any sweets. And any kid who needs the full bag of sweets needs the full bag of sweets, right? If he uh, if he needed every single sweet in that, it's gone beyond greedy there. And it's gone into deep psychological issues that the sweets comfort him, okay? that might That's not up for you to judge. That's up for me to judge, Judge Cantwell. And I judge that that's not a good thing, but I'm not going to stop him. You can't stop. It's not in your place just to give him a shock out of his system, right? What you were trying to do is, what you wanted was the sweets, right? You weren't trying to change him. You weren't trying to improve his life. You wanted sweets. He didn't want to give you the sweets. That's where it ends. What you did to him it was not fair. Now, he did have a bigger reaction, which he only lends its, which only adds fuel to the fire that he really needed those sweets. And I think you need to have kid gloves when it comes to people who have psychological issues where they need a full fucking bag of sweets to make them feel at home. He's far away from home. He's at the Gale Talk. He's obviously sensitive. And you probably knew that. You probably knew that he was going to be wound up. So I'm a, I'm going to side with him on this, okay? I side with the young fella. Even though I have questions about him, and I think he needs to maybe go to uh, explore his emotional connection to food a bit more, either in therapy or some sort of counseling. But I would say, or maybe not, 
Well, you'd want to give away one sweet. You know, I don't think it comes from a sense of greed. I think it comes from a sense of uh, vulnerability and isolation. And I think you need to be a bit more um, understanding of that. So I signed with him. And as your punishment, I would say the closest thing to that of needing him needing his bag of sweets to the point where he's getting seriously wound up, you need to hide your phone somewhere. You need to give your phone to someone. They have to hide it. And you can't have your phone for the day, right? That's not that's a light one. But just to get the feeling of your missing connection with something, I think that's the best way that you can probably understand where this kid was going, was, was feeling, you know? Isolated, lonely, missing out, you know? That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. You know, and um, I know your kids will be kids, but you got to understand, you got to wonder why. And it's normally not because someone's a dickhead. It's normally some other psychological issue, the way people act. Um, all right, next up, Kira McLaughlin says, When I was about seven, I used to love watching my parents' wedding video, which also had some home films of me and my brothers. One day, I decided I wanted to watch it, uh, particularly for one clip of me on my fifth birthday dancing to No Limit by Two Unlimited. <laughs> Banger. The next day, it was discovered that the wedding video had been taped over with an episode of Dream Team. My brother had wanted to tape the episode, and my mom told him just to press record. They never changed the recorder, and the wedding video was still in there. My mom cried, and I was to blame and grounded for the evening. I am now nearly 32, and I still haven't got over it. It's been brought up at nearly every family gathering. I protest my innocence. Who's to blame, Tony? A sweet little girl who wants to watch a happy family video. The older brother that tapes over with Dream Team. And doesn't check the video first, or the mother who tells the brother to just press record. Excellent question. Excellent issue here. Um, firstly, can I just say, Kira, and this is not my responsibility as judge to say this. I hope you forgive yourself. Okay, I hope you forgive that girl. I think if you heard that that happened to a girl, I think you'd forgive. That's seven, seven years, seven years old. Come on, come on. So let's just be done with that. Forgive yourself. Don't be carrying that around with you anymore. You're a wonderful person. You're a magnificent woman. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not coming on to you here. You're a wonderful person, right? Forgive little Kira, right? I really hope you forgive her because she didn't mean to do anything. You you led with the most beautiful intentions of just wanting to see your family because you love your family so much. That's why it hurts so much as well. And your mom was wrong to make you feel as bad as he did. But uh, yeah, I got to understand where she's coming from. She's like watching, you know, your dad's up there, you know, at the at the at the top of the altar. The, the camera pans down. The door's open, you're about to see your man walking up, and then you get, dream, dream, you know, and then some shite about Linda Block or some shite on, do you know what I mean? That's got to be heartbreaking for your man. Your brother was just following orders. I know that's what the Nazis said, but, you know, if the, if the actual command was just press record, then then your brother is in the clear. It is it is your man's fault, and I'll tell you why. There is a little tag on all VHSs that if you remove it, you cannot record over it, right? And any, every, most people know this, right? Most people know this. Your dad probably knew this as well at the time. Um, and anyone really worth their weight as a VHS owner would know about removing this little tag. That tag should have been removed on that VHS and I should never have been able to tape over, right? That is, you're playing with fire putting that in there. Anything could happen. We had a whole Friends compilation. My brother used to record Friends, every single one that was on Network 2. 
and we removed the tags as soon as the, the thing was full, right? Long play as well, getting loads in there on long play, right? So you are part of the part of it. Look, you did, you put it in there. Your brother, unfortunately, has the all clear here for you. You can't blame your brother. It's all on your man for not removing that tag. And just blindly. But I can understand. I understand what happened. It's unfortunate. Yeah, you know, no one, I'm not judging anyone really you know i know i'm casting a judgment on the whole situation but i don't think anyone acted outside any with any malice or bad intention it's just one of those things but the onus is on your man and as punishment and i i don't again i don't really feel comfortable doling out punishment but punishment must be doled out the punishment for your mom is that she has to show up unannounced at weddings at least three and as the bride is walking down the altar, she has to go, Oh, dream team. All right. That's so unfortunate that she has to do that, but she does. Um, all right. I got a little long one here. Um, this one is from Anonymous, but let's call him Finton. Hello. Here's my case, which has been debated through the courts slash over pints since 2016. In 2016, my maid and I decided to go back to Thailand. Well, Kate, we have to go back to the island of Kofifi. What is this? President Trump's coffee island. <laughs> Kofifi. Uh, it is actually called that. Um, we wanted to recreate a trip we'd done previously to the island, um, but like the vast majority of sequels, didn't live up to the original. Anyway, we were on this particular island for four nights, and we both single fellas in our mid-twenties, full of vim and vigor, out for a good time, and not a long time. My mate, let's call him Seamus, was less enamored with the, albeit limited, cultural aspects of the island. He was more focused on drinking and chatting up women. As for me, down the street there was an aptly named bar called Stoners, Stoners, on which I became particularly fond of due to the atmosphere vibe and the particularly big bifters that they sold at an extortionate price. Anyway, our four nights consisted of us going out, standing awkwardly by the bar for half an hour until I suggested we go to Stoners and then we'd taken the night from there. As it happens, when consuming bifters, our game or already limited ability to chat up women evaporated. There's no surprise there. Um, it was on the last night that my friend Seamus got particularly aggrieved um, that he had not talked to any women over the course of the trip and he blamed me for his lack of prowess because I encouraged us to get bifters every night. Anyway, we were finishing up on the last night and the talk had become muted and the munchies had come on in. We went to a burger bar with little to communicate between us. Uh, at this bar, I somehow got chatting to two girls and seemed to hit it off with them. They asked us back to the hostel, but my friend at this point had lost the ability to speak. So I, in my shame, hmm, pretended I didn't know him and left him as I felt it wouldn't be of any benefit to bring him along. As we walked back to the hostel, I somehow managed to hold it all together and things were looking good. I didn't know what was going to happen, but I was hopeful. As we walked, I saw at the corner of my eye my friend walking down the street. To this day, we've no idea how we got there as we'd left him, uh, left him back at the burger bar. Once again, I decided it was best to ignore him. So as I walked past, he tried to speak to us. I tried to hurry past, but he stands in front of us. He turns to the two girls and he says, I can't let him do this to Tracy. I'm sorry. <laughs> implying that I was cheating on this made-up girl that didn't exist. I turn to the girls in a panic and I say, no, there's no Tracy. To which he replies, I'm not letting this happen again. You're better than this. <laughs> no matter what reaction I gave, um, I still looked guilty. As a result, the girls decided to leave me behind and walk off. Distraught, I utter limply, why did you do it? And he goes, don't you ever pretend to not know me again. 
This has since been debated between us a lot, so we appreciate your judgment on who the bigger bollocks was, uh, was in this situation. Okay. <laughs> bro, bro, I cannot side with you. I am sorry. I am sorry, pal. I cannot side with you. You fucked up, pal. You thought he couldn't speak, and guess what? He comes out with an absolute zinger of, I can't let you do this to Tracy, right? If he was able to pull that out, he could have at least maintained conversation, shite flirt, whatever it needed, right? So he could have he could have maintained conversation. He wouldn't have jeopardized your plans. But even if he did, guess what, pal? You all go down together. His shite chat about how the moon is hollow or whatever it is when you're when you're off your bin that bad or how everything's connected and how you want to live in a tree or whatever it is. You know, whatever the shite stoner conversation is, guess what? That's the conversation because that's your bro, pal. That is your bro. You burn together. <laughs> you burn and you rise like a phoenix together. Okay? So that is, but you obviously got it wrong because he was in a position to speak. Or you just don't go. Or you just don't go. He is completely in the right. He is completely in the right. You, you abandoned him. You abandoned him on an island of Kofifi, even though you knew how important it was for him. And you made a snap judgment. It was a selfish judgment. But I do appreciate you're a very pragmatic guy, right? You seem like a smart dude, very pragmatic. But this is your pal you're talking about, right? So you blew it. You blew it for everyone. You blew it for everyone. With the greatest respect. Thank you, obviously, for being a fan of my podcast. <laughs> you are hereby ordered by the court of Judge Cantwell. If you think that he was in such a state that he couldn't speak and he would have ruined your chances, what you need to do is get in that state. You need to smoke a, a load of indica. That's the one. The short, the way I remember that is sativa is something else. Indica is in the couch. So far in the couch, you can't speak, right? You need to smoke a load of indica and you need to go to work. And you need to be so off your bin. Get to the actual state that it is that you can't speak and try and work a full day off your, off your bin <laughs> on a load of indica. That's what you have to do as punishment. Seamus is totally in the right. All right? And I hope he forgives you when you apologize. Um, all right, next one here. We'll do one more. Um, my little brother, who was about seven at the time, robbed my 250 euro that I'd gotten for my confirmation and claimed he happened to find that exact amount of money uh, outside the swimming pool in our school. He then went on to spend the money on custom name engraved football boots and he admitted it later when I asked him to cross his heart that he didn't rob it. Years later, he paid it back when he had his communion, uh, when he had a communion of his own, to, in fairness to him, uh, but I still ensure to hide my money in my room ever since. Um, Ethan, you know, I, of, of course, I would side with you, uh, but I believe justice has already been served. It's actually a very sweet example of, um, of two brothers just hashing it out, you know, doing the right thing. He did the, he did, he did the right thing after doing the wrong thing. You know, although what planet your parents living on? <laughs> They're like, no, he found it outside the swimming pool. Absolutely, will let him spend all that money on a pair of engraved uh, predator football boots. That's insane as well. That's, I'm not to be totally casting uh, judgment on your parents, but that's wild that, that they let that happen. But you seem to hash it out. You know, he didn't get to enjoy the football boots, and he didn't get to enjoy his own communion. You did get the cash afterwards. You know, uh, you know, you had to kind of endure that. But justice has kind of been served in that, you know, he, he's had, you know, 
he's got the guilt from that and also he didn't really get to have his communion he didn't get to get like whatever the thing was he wanted you know what i mean he didn't get to enjoy any of it but he did still wrong you and you are looking for justice so i will give it to you if he loves bloody engraved football boots so much how about engraved shoes he has to get your name engraved across two of his work shoes he's where to work right so on one he's gonna have uh, et your e- ethan's your name right so he's gonna have et and then han on the other so if anyone asks he can be like a mad into et and han solo right so he's gonna have them spread across each shoe so um so that's that <laughs> so that's what he has to do but it's a very cute story um very cute story uh, uh, about morality um connor flanagan writes when I was about eight or nine, I loved Christmas. Oh, I love Christmas. I would look forward to it all year, write up my list to Santa about ten times, making sure everything on it was perfect. My brother, who was about 11, was in school one day, and his teacher made a comment about Santa and used air quotes when he said Santa. So this sparked a concern in my brother regarding the authenticity of Santa. When he got home from school, he came in the door and asked our mom and dad if Santa was actually real, and they sat him down and on his own, on his own to protect mine and my other brother's innocence of believing in Santa, and they told him the truth. I was the youngest, and it was the oldest one who found out the truth. The middle lad, who was about 10, was a strong believer in Santa like me, and once the oldest found out about Santa, he couldn't contain the information, and he told me Santa wasn't real. I was in second class. Oh, my boy. My boy. I was devastated by the news. I confronted my parents, and they told me the truth, but said under no circumstances was I to tell the middle lad and he ended up going into secondary school still believing the lucky bastard. Is my grievance with the oldest brother justified, or should it be with my parents, or what do you think? Connor, um, Connor, look, uh, that's tough. That's tough. That's tough. I, I, as I've said on the pod, got so inconsolable when I, you know, someone in class just alluded to Santa not being real, you know, and I ended up bagging him. The guy's like, Santa's not real? Well, guess what? Your bag's inside out, mate. Do you know what I mean? It didn't really get me down. I turned his bag inside out. Um, and then I told my mom, this is like a joke. This is funny. It's funny that this guy was saying that. It's so wrong, isn't it? That Santa's not being real. And then she told me Santa wasn't real. I was so inconsolable that she had to go back and say, I know he actually is real. And I was like, well, why'd you say that? And she goes, because I'm a horrible person. Remember that the rest of my life. <laughs> well, why did, you tell, why did you lie then, ma'am? I said. And she goes, I'm a horrible person. And that's where we left it. Her being a horrible person, trying to wind up her son, her inconsolable son. So, um, so I can relate, okay? Um, now, the issue here, the onus is on the fucking gobshite of a teacher who does air quotes to a bunch of 11-year-olds. Have you ever been around a child? You moron. You idiot. You idiot. That should be a sign that you're insane and incapable of working around children. You should be banned. You shouldn't even bring up the fact that Santa may or may not be real until kids are at least in college, just in case there's some some wild lad in TY who still believes. Do you know what I mean? Just do, You don't even risk it, 11-year-old. You mop it, mate. You idiot was his teacher. The onus is on him. Your parents were just trying to handle this mess that his gobshite teacher landed on their lap, right? So that's the onus isn't on them. Young Flo clearly wanted to kind of pass on his trauma, right? He, he looked to you for, for help, right? He needed you to be on his level. He didn't. He couldn't handle this. He loved Santa, right? He couldn't handle it. He needed someone else to know about this as well. Even if it might have looked like he was bullying, it was essentially out of a, of a, I need you in here with me, right? I need you here with me because I feel lonely knowing this, right? Because it's gobshite teacher. And this teacher, right? He doesn't believe Santa's real. Guess what? You're not real. 
We're going to dox you, fucker, and we're going to delete you off the internet. We're going to delete your passport. We're going to delete your PPS number. We're going to empty your bank accounts. We're going to delete them. I'm going to go on the dark web and find a hacker with a little with one of those little, uh, anonymous masks, a little guy fox looking fucker, and we're going to take you down, bro. You're going to lose everything. Bank accounts, passport, air quotes. Well, you're, guess what? You're never getting on an airplane for the rest of your life because you don't exist, pal. You're gone. You're gonzo, right? You're done. That's why he, that's, that, that's, so if you can do that for him. <laughs> All right. So listen, thank you very much for submitting those. And I would also like to thank the sponsor of this week's podcast, the Dubliner Irish Whiskey. Look, it doesn't take a judge to tell you that this brand is guilty of making a fine-ass whiskey. So uh, do go to the DLD.com, grab yourself a bottle there. And if you like this podcast and you would like to listen to more of this sort of shit, you can go over to Patreon.com slash Tony Cantwell. And over there for the price of a pint or, hey, a shot of whiskey a month, you can uh, get an extra podcast every single Friday. Um... And you will also get early bird tickets for any and all gigs. Upcoming tour that's coming up. Uh, you can get tickets for that. Well, they're already available. But uh, if a new one is announced, you can get early bird tickets. If there's any live podcasts that get announced, if there's anything that I'm doing that I'm putting on myself, you can get early bird tickets for over on the Patreon as well. Of course, a brand new podcast uh, into your ears every Friday. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you to the sponsor. And of course, thank you for uh, listening and accepting justice on Judge Cantwell. All the best. Bye-bye. It's Tony Cantwell's shit show.